Welcome to Strategic Insights, brought to you by PrideStaff. On each episode, we bring you interviews with leading management and employment experts from across the country. Your host for Strategic Insights is Brad Smith. And now, here's Brad. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Strategic Insights from PrideStaff. Today, we have a great episode. I'm pleased to invite Amy Lynn, a strategic partner from our North Dallas office, and Sean Aiken, strategic partner from our Fresno office, to today's podcast. Amy and Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Sean, let's kind of kick things off uh, and ask you a question. Today's episode is all focused around the challenges that businesses have for reopening in the midst of COVID. Now, in your office, you're based outside of uh, Fresno, California. And if we rewind three months ago, you were under stay-at-home orders. And fast forward, a lot has changed since then in, in a very short amount of time. So what are you seeing right now? Yeah, a lot has changed, Brad. Um, orders have been lifted. They've been brought back. Then they've been lifted. Um, and I can tell you now we're starting to see a consistent ease up. I think the idea of a light switch turning on and off um, is no longer an option. It's, it is now a slow progression, and this is now going to be the new standard moving forward. After talking to a lot of my clients, um, they're all saying pretty much the exact same thing. This is going to be a long-term impact. It is they're changing manufacturing production styles. They're changing internal regulations. So COVID is a lot of people thought was going to go away. Um, it's not. It's going to be a change in that aspect for years to come. And manufacturing, which I'm considered to be the expert in, is booming. Um, they they are they're still moving strong. Um, they're moving forward. There is no slowdown. COVID has slowed down and changed policies in production. Yes, but the demand is still there. Um, the only change that we're seeing is no matter what side of the aisle you're on, um, this is showing a lot of similarities to the 0809 market. And contingent staffing was the first to come back. And we're starting to see that now is companies are hiring through staffing agencies because they're not aware of what's going to happen after November, what's going to happen in January. Um, there's more uncertainty, I feel like, in the employment sector than there is in the stock market. And we see how volatile that is on a daily basis. So that is what we're seeing, Brad. And we're seeing, though, people are going to work. There's still a little bit of uncertainty out there. And, uh, and they watch the news every day to see what's going on. Yeah, and I think that makes complete sense, Sean. And you brought up a, a great point in that contingent workforce models really allow you that freedom of flexibility. So when state or local regulations change, you can adjust. You're not tied down with fixed costs. Amy, let's talk about Dallas, Texas a little bit. Your business is a little different than, than Sean. So in Dallas, you have headquarters of large organizations, um, sometimes hundreds and thousands of people employed in one organization. It's a little bit different than a small manufacturing facility. So for the larger organizations that you're working with, what are you seeing? Well, Brad, I agree with you. It's, it's very different, and yet it's very similar. Um, Sean had mentioned that his clients are kind of full steam ahead. Um, there wasn't anything wrong with the economy when we um, entered this recession. It was completely due to the shutdowns. 
So the large organizations um, have found a different way to continue business um, through the pandemic. And that is looking a lot um, like remote teams are here to say. Um, many of our large organizations are not back in the office. Um, they have announced plans to return in 2021, some as early as January, but most are looking towards the middle of the year. So I think that they're finding that there are some efficiencies with having their distributed teams working. Um, some are finding that that's more productive than it was pre-COVID. But I, I think they also understand that the return to the office for a large employer is a lot more complex um, just due to the number of people that they house. You know, at this point, we have 50% of our temporary workforce uh, working remotely for our clients. So that, I think, is a, a, paints the picture, if you will, of, of what's happening in the Dallas workforce. Yeah, what's interesting, and I heard you both say this, is that we don't think that this is a short-term thing. This could change how we work moving forward. And I think the companies that are effective, efficient, that are open to pivoting and changing their models are going to come out of this stronger. And Amy, you just mentioned there's, there's opportunities to be more productive. And I think partnering with a great workforce partner can really help you take advantage of those efficiencies. When we look back over the last several years, recruiting has historically been a challenge. We had these record low unemployment rates. It was almost impossible to, to find people. Fast forward to today, and we've got unprecedented climbs in first-time unemployment claims. And this has particularly impacted those lower-earning positions. Um, many of the, the manufacturing positions were uh, greatly impacted. So, Sean, what are you seeing with those organizations? Brad, that's, you couldn't have said it any better. Um, what we're seeing here locally is the lower wage employees are having a real decision to make if they want to come back to work and if it's financially viable for them to come back to work. With the stimulus packages that have been presented, local unemployment, state unemployment packages, there have been in many circumstances where individuals are staying home rather than going to work. They're staying safe. They're making a, and the financially they're making a better decision for their family not working. Now with the current stimulus situation we're in, um, we have seen an uptick in applications for lower paying positions, but I can tell you that a lot more companies now are being open in regards to training and finding people in alternative industries. An example being, you know, entry-level manufacturing with the restaurant industry being hit the way they were are starting to entertain more training of those individuals to get them into the workforce, more helping people with their first job. You know, it's, we've always heard the saying, it's, it's always, it's easy to find work, but it's hard to find your first job. Well, a lot of companies now are being a little bit more flexible. So that's what we're seeing in the market. Um, but the demand is high. So we're, we're at the, and you know, the supply and demand curve is really thrown off right now because the demand is very high. And with unemployment packages being as strong as they are, supply is very high but getting them to work is the, is the second piece. So we're definitely seeing an improvement over the last 60 days, especially 90 days. But we're, again, like I said in my previous comments, we're always worrying about the resurgence of the flu season, um, the political aisles in which you stand in, in your local jurisdictions. So Brad, today's my answer, but tomorrow I might have a different one. <laughs> 
<laughs> for sure. Yeah. And that speaks to the flexibility that we have to look at. We have to be yep. flexible at every level of our organization. Now, Sean, you brought up an interesting point. You mentioned the supply and demand curve. So for hiring managers, HR professionals, um, organizations listening today that are that want to learn more about the supply demand curve, what do they do? How do they know where the supply and demand curve is right now? Shameless plug, but contact your, you know, contact Pridestaff. We'd love to help you with that. Um, the people who know what's going on are the people applying. And so we're listening to our candidates on, you know, we're getting hundreds of applications a day, a week, a month, whatever market you're in. And we're hearing the situations going on. And Pridestaff has plenty of pieces to give you. Supply and demand portals from third-party organizations. It's not just our word telling you. It's facts and data that we have access to that we can supply to all of our clients. Yeah. So in many markets, what we're seeing is some companies have had to elevate their low-end um, wages so that they can actually bring people in. And we can actually uh, call one of our offices. We can work with you to get you the data that you need to back up why you might need to increase wages slightly to get access to the talent that you need. Amy, you're in a little different situation, as we discussed, working with some larger organizations, um, some positions that are a little higher on the wage scale. What are you seeing on that side of things? Well, although um, you're still hearing that there are high unemployment rates, I think 8.5% was the last uh, national number that I read. And obviously that's uh, changing as well. Um, Companies are, the furloughs that companies were doing early on have really slowed in most segments. Obviously, you know, you're reading what's happening in the travel industry and Sean mentioned hospitality. But it's, it's a misconception that uh, we've shifted to a market where it's easier to find um, the talent that you need. Uh, even within that 8.5%, and uh, pre-COVID, we were you know, around 3.5%, um, that number is kind of disproportionately made up of those coming out of the industries that were so impacted, that were shut down at retail restaurant, hospitality, and of course, travel. So we're finding that competition for top talent is just as hot as it was pre-COVID. And specifically in office clerical and accounting and finance roles, um, companies are still uh, fighting for. And frankly, on a day-to-day basis, we have candidates turning down our, our job offers because they have either received a better offer from another employer or um, you know, their previous employer is having them come back or has made a counteroffer. So the market today at this point in um, what's happened, what's transpired over the last six, seven months, um, it doesn't look much different than it did pre-COVID. And one thing that you brought up is candidates getting other offers, better offers, their employ- their previous employer bringing them back. So as hiring managers, we need to think through that. And we need to look for ways that we can eliminate some of the red tape in our hiring process. If you find a good quality candidate, you need to jump on that person right away before they jump ship and you lose them to a competitor or their previous employer. Now, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about reopening plans. So Depending on where you're at in the country, depending on what size organization you are, there's some different thoughts to reopening plans. And Amy, I'd like to to start with you. Again, from the large company perspective, you mentioned earlier, we're seeing some of them push back and not talk about reopening till, till next year. Talk us through what impact that is having in the market and what you're seeing. 
Brad, we're seeing it become a competitive advantage um, for employers. So the companies that are uh, keeping their workforce remote um, and, and not having to have their teams consider childcare if their um, children are, are also learning remote or consider you know, their own health concerns and not wanting to return um, to the office because of that those companies are much more attractive to our job seekers. So I think it's had an, an unusual outcome. Um, and we're also hearing that um, this may be um, a situation that continues post-COVID um, and companies finding those efficiencies, as I mentioned earlier, with having distributed teams it's also opening up the talent pool to other markets. So where they may not have had um, candidates available in Dallas, they can have a remote employee in Houston or San Antonio or Chicago and um, really access the talent in that way. So it's, it's becoming something that it originally wasn't intended to be, but may again you know, be uh, kind of the wave of the future. Certainly. No. You mentioned distributed teams, different levels of leadership. A lot of large organizations have access to resources that the small and medium-sized players don't. So some of them are uncertain of where to go. They don't know what legislation or restrictions are in place. Um, Sean, how are you working with your smaller and medium-sized clients to help them through these challenging times? Yeah, that's the conversation I'm having on a daily basis. Brad, they, a lot of companies I work with have less than 50 internal employees. Most of them um, have less than 15. And when you're a small business, you can't compete with the Amazons of the world and these large corporations that are, you know, doing alternative work schedules and, and all these crazy packages that you see tech companies releasing. Um, what they're doing is they're partnering up with me. I'm a consultant. You know, I, I treat my clients as a, because they're small business owners just like I am. And what I do is I use the backing of Pride Staff and of our legal counsel and the information that I could gather from the 85 stra uh, strategic partners across the nation. And what I'm doing is I'm sharing best practices and the small to medium-sized companies love it. They're wanting to know what similar companies to them are doing. They don't want to keep hearing what the Amazons of the world are doing, the, the Ulta distribution centers. They don't want to keep hearing what the giants are doing. They want to hear what the small to medium-sized companies are doing. So that's where I'm spending time talking to them about successes of my local market, um, telling them, you know, this isn't an on and off switch, like I said before, especially for the small to medium businesses, because if they're out one employee, that could be 25% of their workforce. So uh, they definitely are handling it differently, but I could tell you the American spirit and the American dream is, is, is still really hot because I'm seeing these small companies thrive in finding ways to get through this and it really makes me proud to see what these small to medium-sized corporations are doing and not just taking it on the chin and, and letting it happen. They're definitely fighting through this. Yeah, and they're getting scrappy. Now, I would encourage everyone listening, if you fall into that category of a smaller, medium-sized business and you don't have the resources that a large national or international organization has, visit pridestaff.com. We have brought in world-renowned speakers authors, business consultants to do webinars, training sessions, and those resources are available. We have 
dozens of ebooks, white papers, research, data, blog articles that will help you solve and overcome many of your big challenges. So again, visit pridestaff.com and you'll find all those great resources for free for you. COVID, the pandemic has created some emotional fear. Now, when the crisis first hit, health concerns were holding some people back. They were scared to go back. They were scared of, of getting sick. And since then, that shifted a little bit. And Amy, what have you seen? Are employees still scared to come back to work because of health concerns? We're not seeing that very much at all. Um, in fact, I was on uh, American Staffing Association call a couple of weeks ago, and they had reported um, from one of their recent surveys that only 7% of, their, of the respondents um, noted any health concern, and that was prohibiting them from, from returning to work. So what we are seeing and what we are hearing from the candidates, and we talk to hundreds of uh, job seekers on a weekly basis, that they want to know that there's a strong COVID safety procedure in place. They want to know that the employer that they're considering working with cares about the health and well-being of their employees, but not as much as, as it was initially when there was so much that was information that we didn't have that we were still trying to uncover about this uh, virus and the impacts. And, um, you know, today there's still not a full um, understanding, but there is more information available. And as long as, as our employers are communicating what they're doing and what their plans are um, with their employees, we're not seeing as much of that at all. That's great. And I think it's important, too, to note that not only do you want to communicate that with your existing employees, but you want to make that known for future employees. So working with your staffing partner uh, as a hiring manager, you want to outline those safety protocols. You want to have those open lines of communication so that um, people that are recruiting on your behalf um, can become advocates for you, can, can calm fears before they even become uh, an issue. Since kind of fear is no longer a huge sweeping concern like it was at the beginning of this, there's still other concerns, one of which is child care. So many parents right now, uh, many education systems are on hybrid models or full remote models. So parents are forced to scramble and find coverage for their, their children. So how is this impacting the workforce and what do companies need to do to, to plan ahead? And Sean, I'm going to throw this one to you. Yeah, Brad, speaking of a husband to a teacher, um, I'm, I'm excited to answer this question. Uh, this is a constant conversation to my household. What I would tell companies to do and, and what we're seeing impact is, is companies need to be compassionate and caring. I think more now than ever. And I'm seeing so many great things happen, even in my manufacturing space where people physically have to be there to complete a good. Um, and in my administrative space, they're creating alternative schedules. And I'm seeing those increase more and more and more. And I'm seeing uh, another increase in shifts. You know, small mom business, mom and pops, maybe we're only open for the first shift, you know, eight to five. Now I'm starting to see flexibility of maybe they have a second shift that started, even a graveyard shift that started. Or I'm starting to see companies allow employees to take two hour lunches, but work, you know, earlier in the morning or later in the day. It's actually, to me, I was fear, my fear, I would be, you know, it wasn't fear of getting COVID, but my fear was, is how will people respond to it? 
and I'm very impressed with the way organizations are handling this. They're, they're definitely in to retain that talent that Amy was talking about earlier. You have to do that to employee. You have to supply something that employees want. And it's not always about money. Um, it's, it could be about culture. It could be about workplace. It could be about time with loved ones. And I'm hearing so many positive things that corporations are doing. Now, if a corporation is not adjusting and they're saying, this is the way we've always done it and this is the way we're always going to do it, it could work for now. But like we've been talking about, this COVID situation could change the workforce for years to come. And there's a different workforce coming in and out regularly. So there has to be adjustments being made. So I would highly recommend you looking over data, speaking with management, speaking with um, whoever you need to talk to, even your internal employees and asking, what can we do better for you? And you'd be really surprised. It's not radical changes that need to be made. It's the little things that can really add up. So it sounds like organizations across the board, we need to be much more flexible. We need to adapt. And I don't want to make this sound too self-promotional, but staffing really plays into this completely. I mean, staffing allows you to be more flexible, adjust on the fly, get access to the talent you need to move forward. Um, Amy, do you mind speaking uh, to the importance a little bit of getting a good, solid staffing partner that understands your business and can help you build in that flexibility? Absolutely, Brad. I, I think that it's more important now than it ever has been to have a solid staffing partner. Historically, staffing is the first to rebound out of a recession. And there's a good reason for that. It's a proven workforce strategy when there are uncertainties. And right now there are more uncertainties than there ever have been before. So the complexity of this situation really demands that you are looking for more flexible workforce solutions. And so um, with management right now, not having the bandwidth to attract talent to screen talent to onboard talent, they need um, to outsource that to a partner that does it all day long. Um, and you couple that with the perks that you get to working with a staffing company. We handle a lot of the communication and coordination for candidates, um, not only during the onboarding process, but for the life of their assignment. So. Um, you, you gain a partner in helping to communicate your policies and helping that temporary employee, especially if they're onboarding remotely, feel like they're part of that larger organization. And so, you know, more time and more communication is something that I think everybody is looking for currently. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue into our final topic here is talking about leadership. So having that communication um, adjusting, we've seen that companies with strong leadership come out on top and they get through challenges like this. We've seen it recession after recession after recession. The companies that have strong leaders that make the right moves that are strategic come out of it stronger and oftentimes with more market share. So are either of you seeing companies in your markets with extremely strong leadership? Um, and Amy, let's start with you. Yes. In fact, that is why I am so convinced that transparent communication is um, what's critical and needs to be fast communication. It needs to be frequent communication um, because in the absence of that information, people tend to fill in the blanks and that's where fear comes from. 
So if you have leadership um, that is confronting all of that uncertainty and presenting a path forward, showing your confidence that your company is going to have um, a winning outcome. I mean, that's what people need right now. Perfect. And, and how about you, Sean? How can uh, leaders be stronger and, and help their companies and their people get through this challenging time? Yeah, I, um, I'm all, you know, about sports analogies. So what I'm going to tell you is companies need to stop playing defense and they need to start playing offense. I think we've been so afraid and companies have been responding to issues rather than being ahead of them. So I would, that's what I'm seeing is the companies who are putting plans and procedures and policies in place ahead of others are the ones who are thriving. It's when, if you're being reactive and not proactive. So Amy's right on the money. Communication is going to be something we've heard almost every question in the word of communication has come up, but I would just, my final thoughts would be proactive rather than reactive, being ahead of it, then behind it, play offense, not defense. Absolutely love that. And in closing, Pride Staff is here to help. We've mentioned it many times throughout today's episode. We want to be here to make your transition as easy as possible. So visit our website at pridestaff.com from legal compliance webinars to great advice from workforce psychology experts and outstanding tips for communication and being proactive. You'll find all these great resources at pridestaff.com. Amy and Sean, thank you both so much for your time. I think there's been some absolute amazing tips today. So at Pride Staff, we're doing everything we can to help make the transition back to work as smooth as possible from legal compliance webinars and great advice from workforce psychologists to leading tips on how to reopen and be proactive in your workforce and recruiting models. You can find it all at pridestaff.com, so make sure you visit our website. Amy and Sean, I want to thank you both so much for your time today. There were some amazing tips, um, amazing advice. I hope everyone listening in found some value. Again, Amy and Sean, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Brad. It's a pleasure. It was. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Strategic Insights, brought to you by Pride Staff. Whether you're looking for high-level workforce consulting or staffing help to meet demands, Pride Staff is here to help.